Episode 4, 2003. These are not, however, the days of miracles, and I suppose it will be granted that I am not to expect a direct revelation. Now, on Inside the Buffalo... Wait! Wait, wait, wait. Can't use that title. How about this? All right. Hey, hey, you know what time it is. It's Down and Drought, your weekly walk through every season of the Bills' 17-year playoff drought. I'm Prescott Rossi. Alongside me, News 8 Sports Director Thad Brown and former News 8 Weekend Sports Anchor Mr. Dave Yates. We turn to 2003, the Bills coming off an 8-8 eight eight season in 2002. This is Greg Williams' third year in charge as the Bills head coach. March 7th, 2003, right at the start of free agency, a big day for the Bills' offseason. They trade Peerless Price to the Atlanta Falcons in exchange for a first-round pick. Remember, the Bills had given up their first-round pick to bring in Drew Bledsoe, so they get back into the first round by trading Price to Atlanta. They also signed to Keo Spikes. This was on a Friday, fellas. So imagine in the offseason a very busy Friday with all that news coming down. How do you kind of break down covering a day like that where you have big pieces coming and going at the same time? Well, the, th the Keo Spikes one was something that had been talked about from the end of last year. When Cincinnati had come to Buffalo, the crowd had chanted TKO, TKO. It, it really had already generated some momentum going forward about let's bring Spikes in. And, you know, whether or not it was a good football move, Spikes was a great player, but it seemed like the fans, I don't want to say dictated the move, but certainly pushed it a little bit. And, you know, for a Bills team that they were probably starting to learn the idea of sell hope yeah, yeah. and, you know, <laughs> yeah. put something out there that says come to our games, buy our tickets, even if we don't make the playoffs. Takeo Spikes might have been the first of those things. They gave the fans <laughs> what they wanted. Mm -hmm. they, gave, they gave them exactly what they wanted. And, I mean, at the time, it was a great move. I mean, he was a phenomenal oh, player. Yeah. He was outstanding. And the Peerless Price thing, I didn't even remember they got a first-round pick for him. I, I, I still either. can't believe <laughs> they got a first-round pick because Peerless Price had Alvin Harper, Harper written all yeah, over him. He yeah. was somebody's, he was Batman, somebody's Robin. But never would be a bad no, and, and you knew that even with his years in Buffalo. And you've touched on this in previous episodes, Thad, but what was it like interacting with Peerless Price? I know he kind of had the reputation of being kind of one of those prima donna, you know, wide receiver types. What yeah. was your interactions like with him in the locker room? He was a diva. He was a pain in the neck and he was a diva. He didn't want, <laughs> All right, to, didn't want to deal with you, didn't want to deal with the media, you know, wasn't afraid to just give you the hand and, and say, get away from me. There was one time when he was talking to a newspaper reporter, and I think I've told this story in a previous episode. He was talking to a newspaper reporter in an open locker room period where you'd think you'd be able to talk with him. And he said, I'm not talking to you as I walked up to him. Blatantly, just you get out of my face. So that was Peerless Price. I don't think any of us were sad to see him go, and especially with a, a first-round pick coming to back, that was win-win yeah. for local media. And it was it was one of those deals too, where you look at the clips of him from that time, and you see him on the field, and that's how he was. Yeah, he was. Molds was the same way, but Molds was the total opposite when he wanted to talk to him. He was like, I mean. They both had the chip on their shoulder when they were playing, but Peerless kept it in the locker room. Yeah. <laughs> so the Bills are going into the 2003 NFL Draft with now a first-round pick. Nine days before the start of that draft, the Bills inked Travis Henry to a one-year contract extension. Henry coming off a Pro Bowl season as a running back. After two years in the league, it seems like Travis Henry has, has really picked a foothold with this team. Uh, 1,438 rushing yards in 02, the fifth most in franchise history. No one has more rushing yards during the drought at this time. Was that scene as like, well, we have our running back now, and it's going to be Travis Henry. He's going to be the guy moving forward. I think it was a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was, he, was, he was locked in. He, and for good reason. I mean, the guy was doing everything that you'd ask him. You know, didn't look like much mm -hmm. size-wise. Yeah. I mean, the guy yeah. was in, and, but he just sold out every play. That guy 
had guts, and he had a lot of heart. It was really a non-story. You know, this was a guy who was going to be a running back. It was only a one-year extension, yeah. so it wasn't like they're committing eight years of money to the guy. But Travis Henry was a good to very good running back that deserved to have more money paid to him. Probably wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. No, no. but no. you know what? That's fine. To carry the rock, you don't That's really need to do. be. Yeah. Well, the good feelings last all of nine days because round one of the NFL draft is April 26th, and the Bills draft Willis yeah. McGahee yeah. with the 23rd overall pick. The immediate thoughts to that draft pick after just signing Travis Henry to a one-year extension. It was a shock, you know, by itself. Yeah. Forget about the extension. The Bills didn't need a running back, and they certainly weren't the type of team that was taking chances on a guy who wasn't going to basically play all of the season after which he was drafted. I remember being in the room, and we're getting close to the pick, and McGahee's still on the board, and we're, most of us thinking, nah, right. nah. And then at some point before the pick was made, it seemed likely it was going to happen. And then there's the video of him on the phone with Drew Rosenhaus on the phone, <laughs> and you knew it was coming. Yeah. And you just, I can't believe the Bills are doing this. With the uh, 23rd selection in the 2003 NFL Draft, the Buffalo Bills select Willis McGahee, running back, University of Miami. Hey there! Yeah! You know, this is a team that gave up 54 sacks the year before. Drew Bledsoe just got beat up, especially the tail end of that 0-2 season. Mike Williams is going into his sophomore year, but uh, to not work on the offensive line at all, to not fix up the other problems of this team, of which there were many, and to go with running back, the one position you felt most confident in. I, I have to imagine that was like, Really? This is the move they're going to make? Well, you wonder too, is it another, it's, it's a, you draft an old lineman, you're kind of like, there's no marquee factor to it. You're not yeah. selling tickets with an offensive lineman. Well, I don't even know if it's about <laughs> selling tickets. I, I always looked at the McGahee pick as, this was a guy that was severely undervalued at 23, as opposed to what he would have gone at if he was healthy. Right. I think Tom Donahoe looked at, well, I'm going to get this guy maybe a year down the road here. So you understood why he was doing it, even if, Short term and maybe beyond, it really made no sense for the Bills, but you got the, the thought that, okay, we're going to take this guy you know, in a spot where he's very undervalued, and he was. I mean, Willis McGahee, before he got hurt, was thought of as a game-changing running back. But you know, after he rips his knee up in seven different directions, you, know, <laughs> you knew that there was going to be some residual, yeah. and it was going to be a while before he played. Yeah, that video of uh, McGahee's oh, knee yeah. injury in the BCS championship game. Uh, it's, that yeah. was the worst part. The worst part about him being drafted is that all of us in Washington <laughs> had to watch that video over and over and over again. The other news of the offseason that isn't uh, obviously on that level of drafting McGahee, but something that I think is worth noting, the Bills at Ralph Wilson Stadium changed the turf over. They install field turf. The first team in the NFL to install field turf your years of covering the Bills at home on AstroTurf, what was it like to cover a game on that? And for those who may not know, when you cover a game at the Ralph because the front row is, is so low, you have to kneel when you're shooting on the sideline. It's the only stadium in the league where that's true. Everywhere else you can stand. What was it like covering a game on that level, uh, on that playing surface? Well, I remember I, when they first talked about putting in the new turf, I'm thinking, oh, good, they're going to lower the field so we can stand up now. <laughs> Wishful thinking yeah. on my part. But I, it was... I found the old turf wasn't as hot. The glare off the field turf was the, the it was just it's blinding. Yeah. And I mean you get the reflection off that was a lot worse. And not just from, you know, a sunburn standpoint and that kind of thing and the visibility, but it was it was tougher to shoot. It was it was a lot more there was a lot more 
light differentiation. Mm -hmm. The heat ripples on the bottom. Yep. That's the thing I've yeah. noticed. Yeah. I, and I, I didn't cover any games on AstroTurf, but I know uh, on our cameras, you know, they can get very technical and you try to up the quality and all of a sudden you see that ripple effect of the yeah. heat coming off the turf and you can't shoot at that level because your video just looks totally wavy. Like yeah. it's, you know, like something psychedelic or something like that. Um, in terms of the player's health, I have to imagine going from AstroTurf to any playing surface yeah, would were, be better yeah. than, than playing on that carpet. At, at that point, it was, it was something that everybody was doing, you know, around, now, not necessarily in the NFL, but just you could see the trend was going to the field turf stuff. And what Dave is saying is right about the old thing was like a carpet, so it didn't reflect anything at all. It was like literally someone's really low carpet at home. <laughs> the field turf is actually like blades of plastic grass, yeah. and the plastic has a little sheen to it, which reflects light a little more and, and makes it a little different. I think from kneeling on it, I think the newer surface was a little softer because yeah. it just wasn't a, yep. a carpet, mm -hmm. so there's a little more give to it. But either way, when you're on your knees, you know, we, we all wear you know, large knee pads. They look funny when you see us with them. Um, you still needed them when they went to the new turf. And the new turf also, of course, has the little black pellets. Oh, yeah, that's which the get in the yeah. spots that you Everywhere. didn't even know existed. That was the first thing. <laughs> you know, you're covering a game, and all of a sudden you go home, and the first thing you do is take your shoe off and, like, empty out the black pellets. And literally, there's, like, a handful yeah. of them in there. I'm sure they're totally healthy. Yeah, there's nothing wrong <laughs> with those black pellets whatsoever. <laughs> don't need to find out about that. Moving on to training camp in 2003. Obviously, a first-round pick is not going to be participating in camp because McGahee's still coming back from that knee injury, but... St. John Fisher in Pittsburgh almost becomes the center of the sports world, especially in upstate New York, because just down the road at Oak Hill Country Club, the 2003 PGA Championship. Fellas, what was it like covering Bills Camp at the same time of a golf major, literally, well, not literally, but practically across the street? Bills Camp was almost an afterthought. Yeah. For that week, it was, it was just all, you know, no holds barred. You just threw yourself on, on the, into Oak Hill. The Tiger Factor, Sluman Mania, perhaps. Jeff Sluman, the Grease native, is out to prove this week that you can indeed go home again. I think we may have relied on our, our Buffalo affiliate. The other interesting part was a lot of the golfers, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, went over. I know Phil Mickelson was over there. Um, there was, I remember there was a guy who went to LSU. Uh, I don't think Bubba Watson was there. It was someone Not else. Yeah. There, were, there was a, oh, David Thomas was another yep, guy who went yep. over there. So there were a few golf, and that, that was really the, the bigger story from Bill's camp for us that week. When a PGA player, oh, now we have to go over to Fisher and get, get the golf. He's been have enough golfers at the course. Maybe yeah. at Bill's camp, too. Name recognition, not a problem for the champions of 2003. Think of five golfers off the top of your head, and you've probably got five guys who've already won this year. But I think the other part of it with, with Bill's camp, year three of Greg Williams, yeah. You know, the Drew Bledsoe buzz was gone. Yeah. They hadn't been in the playoffs in three years. They didn't seem like they were going to make the playoffs, especially with a first-round pick that was going to be irrelevant. So I think we were of a, a position where, you know, and this was the height of Tiger Woods, the PGA Championship yeah. was the story, and the Bills were not, especially just for one week in training camp. So that happens uh, in the middle of August. The start of the regular season is September 7th, but five days before, on September 2nd, the New England Patriots cut Lawyer Malloy, their four-time Pro Bowler, their defensive captain, their strong safety, one of their leaders on their defense. And then immediately the rumors start swirling, the Bills are interested. What was that week like in that lead-up to week one? You know, not only one of the leaders in their locker room and on their team, but in the entire NFL. Mm -hmm. This guy was, I mean, he was one of, the, one of the top mm -hmm. union reps for the Players Association. He was just one of those, you know, huge stature figures. And, and for him to be available was, you know, yeah, obviously they were, there was <laughs> talk about him coming. And especially the first week, obviously, yeah. you know, the, the whole, you know, getting revenge. Yep. He was unhappy. That was not a, an amicable parting. No, you not know, at all. It was he a salary cut. Exactly, yeah. 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 And, and, you know, the Patriots 
were already becoming and now have become very famous for doing it whenever and to whoever they want, yeah. anybody not named Tom Brady. So to come to Buffalo, it just stoked the fire for the game. And again, coming off the, you know, the Bills were 8-8 eight and eight and Drew Bledsoe and there was optimism, but there wasn't excitement until Malloy yep, happened. Yeah. And just, the Patriots are coming off. off a 9-7 and seven season in 0-2. It's not like now yeah. where you think of Brady and Belichick as these, you know, geniuses that have controlled everything. Yes, they have a Super Bowl ring, but they hadn't won 2, 3, 4, 5 by this point. So to see Belichick letting go of such a big player on defense, I mean, they have to think like, oh man, the Bills have hit the jackpot here. Yeah. People thought because he had had one very fortunate Super Bowl yeah. and a non-playoff season. That's what the Patriots were then. So, you know, Lawyer Malloy comes over and you think, what, what, what is Bill Belichick doing? You know, who knew that he knew everything <laughs> that was going to happen? That's, and, and I mean, to spoiler alert, but that was the first time I started thinking, if Belichick cuts a guy, Leave him alone. Yeah. yeah. Do not. There's a reason. This guy knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. When he lets somebody go and doesn't expect anything in return, you don't trust him. You can tell how old this was to this game because Belichick was wearing like a nice golf shirt. Yeah. <laughs> he actually looked. He actually looked polished. I'm like, okay, he's still earning it. <laughs> well, there you go. Week one, Sunday, September seventh. The sun is shining in Orchard Park. Fellas, just walk me through week one. Obviously, we all know the result. Thirty-one nothing. Bills over the Patriots. It was surreal the whole time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. everything. Sam Adams scoring a touchdown. Um, the Patriots doing zero. You, it, you watch the video and you wonder how Tom Brady and the Patriots were capable of such a game. Yeah, and Malloy had a sack yeah. in that game. I mean, Brady just just missed getting his head just cleaned off by Malloy. Just ducked out of the way in time, and Malloy gets up and does the <laughs> fit. It was just, yeah. it was, yeah, it was everything. You couldn't have scripted it better and, from a Bills point of view. And every impact player that the Bills signed on defense has an impact in this yeah. game. Sam Adams, Takeo Spikes, Lawyer Malloy, all three of them have a sack or an interception, yeah. a touchdown. Spike stops a third down, I think, on the first possession. The crowd goes crazy. Yeah. You know, the yeah. whole, like I said, on Monday, it was just the season open, which is still a big deal. But Lawyer Malloy signs, yeah. and then the game starts out the way the Bills like it to start out, and then the rest of the day was a huge party at the Ralph. First and only shutout win for the Bills since 1981 on opening day. Week two, the Bills go into the heat in Jacksonville, and that game is one of Bledsoe's very best games. Uh, two touchdowns, 144.2 passer rating. So the Bills go on to win 38-17. So 2-0 to open the 0-3 season. I know there's a lot of football left, but where can this team go? I thought they were going to the playoffs. I remember distinctly thinking after week two, this team is legit. We're going to be covering them for a long time. They're going to be in the race. They're going to be division championship deep in the playoffs. <laughs> I, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to yeah. get to cover this great yeah. team. Yeah. After I remember between Jacksonville and week three, that's all I thought about the whole week. That week two game too, was, it was another, okay, they had all the momentum and all the emotions of the opener and being in New England and all that. Then to go to Jacksonville and, and follow it up with a performance like that, you know, they're, oh, yeah. you're like, okay, this this could be for Does real. That looked like a pop. Yeah, it really did. That was that was like that trap game kind of. Kind Henry of thing. scores three touchdowns in that game as well. As the Bills look very impressive going to two and zero. But week three, Sunday Night Football in Miami. The the play that's obviously most talked about from this game. Travis Henry throws an interception in the red zone in the first half of that game, and just the Bills offense never shows up. No. Losing 17-7, Dave, you were there in Miami. Just the thought, as you see Travis Henry dropping back to pass inside the 10-yard line. It was, it was one of those, Travis is a short guy. Yeah. So I'm shooting him coming, you know, your typical 
end around, you know, kind of coming off tackle or whatever, and it's like all of a sudden he pulls up. I'm like, no, he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. Yes, he is. And the shot put, you know, it's like a nine iron kind of coming over. Like, seriously, I think it was Patrick Sertain yes. jumped, and it was a battle for it between him and I think Molds, like, basically at the goal line. I think right? it was Bobby Shaw. Was it? Yeah. yeah. And it was, you know, it was possession, nine-tenths of the law, Dolphins game. They had another pick in the end zone, too. Yeah, in that yeah. Game. Bledsoe throws yeah. a pick in that game in the end zone as well. Yeah. That's the thing. Everybody remembers the Travis Henry play, and for me, 2003 swung and was decided on that play. That was the that play. Early, though? Oh, I mean, you didn't know it then? Yeah. At the end of the year, you look back and said, yeah. if only we didn't have Travis Henry throw the ball yeah. to the goal line. Yeah. But, I, but I, the thing about that was is that the Bills actually called the ball right back and drove right back down the field, and Bledsoe threw another right. pick in the end zone right. that no one talks about. Yeah. So the next two weeks, the Bills split. They uh, lose to the Eagles at home, then win against the Cincinnati Bengals to go to 3-2. and two. Week 6, the Bills go to Giant Stadium, go to the Meadowlands to take on the Jets. And we talked about this in 2 Ralph Wilson getting into it with Jets fans. At this point, because you knew about the year before where you know Jets fans are swearing at him and yelling and he's pointing back at him, are you thinking now like, well, we know Ralph is here. We need to find him. We need to be on him oh, yeah. because Jets fans are going to be yelling at him again. And let's see if we have another instance of Ralph yelling at fans. It was so entertaining. And anything that Ralph Wilson <laughs> did, it, 85 you know, was at the time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so you were just, oh, when's Ralph coming out? You know, it was as exciting yeah. as when the coach or the star players came out. So the Bills lose 30-3 to in that game as well, and th- at this point are you thinking, well, maybe that 17-7 to loss in Miami was actually a real precursor of things to come because the offense doesn't show up and they lose to a winless Jets team. It was disturbing, but uh, I don't think it was. It was uh, they were 3-3, three and three, yeah. you know, so you're, you're still okay. There's still a season. Let's see what happens next. Week 7, Bruce Smith and Rob Johnson come to town <laughs> as a member of the Washington professional football team. Just the thoughts as uh, – you could see it even in the crowd. You could hear from the crowd. You could just kind of get that vibe watching this video back that you guys shot from 03 of, okay, sharpen the swords. Here's Rob Johnson. We are ready. You know, just like the, the salivating dogs ready to pounce on the red meat. And it was that, that interesting, you know, the love for Bruce and the, the, yeah, <laughs> the, for the hatred yeah. for Rob. Yeah. It was the best part, one of the best parts of that season. It was a, a 4 o'clock game, one of the few the Bills have played at home during the drought. And they really dominated Washington. You talk about, you know, worried about the week before. They owned this game. Yeah. They, yeah. they were a good-looking 4-3 and three coming out of this game. And at the end, when I think it was Pat Ramsey was the quarterback for, the, yep, for sure Washington. Was. When Rob comes in, it was like fresh meat being fed to the alligators. <laughs> I have never, I've heard the Ralph that loud. Yeah. But that vicious yeah. and yeah, that yeah. out for blood, I mean, it was because you knew it wasn't at you, you kind of laughed at it. Yeah. But, it, you know, to be a player on the receiving end of that had to be somewhat intimidating. God. You know, now, Rob, Rob yeah. California guy didn't, didn't care, but it was, it was angry. It had a tension well, to and, it. And you mentioned, you know, how, how much the fans at the Ralph were going crazy for week one. To be at this point now in week seven, I mean, where would you, how would you compare those two crowds, the, the week one win against the Pats versus week seven win against a bad Washington team? Week one was, woo, yay, look at us. <laughs> week seven with Rob Johnson We're was, out for blood. Yeah, was, you're going to get it. Because at that point, the yeah. Bills had won the game. So the yeah. Bills fans he are comes jacked in, in the up. fourth quarter. Plus, you know what, it's, it's seven as opposed to four. More time yeah. for alcohol earlier in the day. I'm sure that might have had a factor. Um, but it was, it was angry and vicious, and it, it was a weird experience for sure. 
So four and three going into week eight on the road now this time in Kansas City, a Sunday night football game. Their last game before the bye, you think, okay, you win this game, you're at the halfway point of the season. You can carry that momentum perhaps into the second half as guys get healthy from the bye week. Well, nothing goes right for the Buffalo Bills. Seven turnovers in Kansas City against the Chiefs. Dave, just to be there on the sideline as literally everything goes wrong for the Bills. When you get in a game like that, you're kind of like, is this really, again, seriously? Yeah. You know, you're shooting the game and you're kind of like, watching all of a sudden there's a scramble and it's like oh my god really did he just lose the ball again they can't lose it again and it's 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 almost like when you see a great play and there's constantly penalties pulling yeah. them back same thing you're like this is just it ain't gonna happen tonight uh so but in the two out of these last three games now the bills have scored three points and five points the offense is clearly not clicking yes they beat washington but that is you can almost call that an outlier they go into the bye week now they are four and four and the criticisms and the 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 calls for Greg Williams are starting to percolate. How much is the media involved in feast into feeding that fire? And how much of it was truly deserved at this point of the year? Because they're only at the halfway point and four and four, there's still plenty of football left. I think with the amount of talking that Greg Williams had yeah. done about how yes. smart he was yes. going to be. And it wasn't just Greg Williams. It was Kevin Gilbride too. And yeah. he flapped his gums just as much as Greg did. So for all of the talk of all these things we are going to do as coaches and to have it be so obviously bad in important games at that point in the season, that's where it started to build upon itself. I don't know how much we got into it, but it, you couldn't help but ask, like, you said you're going to do A, and not only is it not A, it's like J. You and know? he get defense. He was very defensive yes. about it. He yep. was very defensive. You called out or criticized how the season was going. He, it was almost like he was thin-skinned about it, and he did not like being, being taken to task for things going wrong. Well, the offensive problems uh, continue after the bye week. And, in fact, during the bye, Tom Donahoe comes out and says he will not fire Greg Williams during the season. We were going to keep things rolling with Greg. And Williams' contract expires at the end of this season. Uh, we didn't mention this earlier. Williams kind of bet on himself to, to not renegotiate his contract in the offseason. He wanted to play out the year, have a successful season, and then see that payday come in. But at 4-4, four and four, things aren't going well. Then in weeks 10 and 11, the Bills score six points and a loss in Dallas, then come home and score 10 points, none of them on offense. Two safeties. Two safeties and two field goals <laughs> yeah. uh, as the Bills lose to a second-year team, the Houston Texans, 12-10. The following week, the Indianapolis Colts come to town. The Bills' defense plays well. The offense finally scores after 12 quarters without a touchdown. But Edron James scores three times, has a game-winning touchdown with a minute to go. So now, they, as they lose this game in Week 12 to the Indianapolis Colts, they drop to four and seven. They've lost four straight games. I have to imagine every day the discussion is when will Greg Williams get fired and why haven't they fired Greg Williams yet? It was the only thing worth talking about at that point. That was right. one of the first, you know, four and seven seasons where the conversation in the locker room is A, who's going to be fired, who's not going to be back, and then B, players talking about, well, if we win five in a row and four or five <laughs> teams quit the league. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the first four and seven is always like the number I think about where the Patriots this, get food poisoning. Yeah, 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 right, yeah. But, but from the Bills' point of view, four and seven is like that magic record where you'll still talk about the playoffs, yeah, even though yeah. no one on either side of the conversation, player or media person, buys the conversation. They've gone over a month without scoring a touchdown mm -hmm. on offense at this point. I mean, it really cannot get much worse. But in week 13, the offense does show some life as the Bills go into the Meadowlands, this time against the New York Giants to win 24-7. But two things happen in this game that I think are notable. Uh, and we've talked about this before, about how player safety has changed its perspective from the early 2000s to now. And it wasn't that long ago, but so much is different about how we discuss injuries. 
First off, Travis Henry cracks his fibula in this game, still carries the ball 26 times for 113 yards and a score, which I don't know if that's brave or stupid, but it's something. But, the, but Drew Bledsoe gets high load by Strahan and Keith Hamilton, an obvious concussion. And the Bills allow him to finish the drive out. What was the thought then and then watching that back now feeling totally different? Well, it's funny. You know, I noticed in the Jacksonville game, Earlier in the season, Mark Campbell gets lit up in that one. Campbell got lit up, oh, yeah. and he came right off. Mm-hmm. Um, Leftwich got high load in that game too, and he started walking to the wrong sideline, and his players had to pull him back into the huddle. He stayed yeah. it. I mean, stuff like that you would never even yeah. imagine a player staying on the field after something like that. No. You can't say it enough. In that time, concussions were not a big. Someone got a concussion. Oh, good, that's fine. Yeah. Like if you no. had him, you know, from a fantasy owner point of view, a guy gets hurt, goes out. If you hear broken leg, terrible. If you hear dislocated, whatever, terrible. You hear concussion? Yeah. yeah. Concussion? No big deal. Good. He's fine. He's coming back next week. After the game, Drew Bledsoe even says, when I got up, everything was yellow. Like, the red flags are all over the place. No one one thought anything of it. It was just... He got his bell rung. Exactly. He got his bell rung. Exactly the term. And and, and on the broadcast, they even say, well, that's just a football play. Like, it's unfortunate, but that's just a football play. And and we cover a lot of high school games for work. The idea of just watching that, it, it, it almost makes watching football, you're kind of like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. You're like, well, how? It, it's, we thought it was funny. He said everything went yellow. That's, that's laughable then. That's yeah, you made that quote. You have the quote down still. Yeah. So that's, that's right. <laughs> it, it's just, yeah. it, it's really perplexing just how dangerous football was at that time. And it wasn't really until the NFL was dragged into right. caring yeah, right, yeah. that they actually did anything None about of us it. who covered it on a day-to-day basis really realized it. It just, yeah. it was, that was a joke. It was funny. It was something that was part of the game. I got a little ding. I got a little ding last week and then got smacked again. So I got week 14, Travis Henry playing with that cracked fibula. Mm-hmm. Career high, 169 yards. Still playing hard for Greg Williams uh, as the Bills win 17-6 over the Jets. Week 15, the Bills go to Tennessee. The, obviously the site of the Music City Miracle. I believe their first game back since then. But the day before, Saddam Hussein is captured. And, you know, this is 2003, so the Iraq War had started earlier that year. But the, uh, and we've touched on this, obviously, with 9-11, and these are very different circumstances. But to be covering a football game with a massive national news event happening at the same time, what is your focus like in that moment? It was the announcement. That was my game. And the announcement come out the night before, I believe. Something like Something that. Like that. It's, I mean, it was. It, it wasn't. It wasn't breaking news, but the president did speak in the morning before the games happened. And then I have a shot of, I think Justin Bannon looking up at the scoreboard. You know, he's supposed to be getting ready, and he's not doing any stretches or yeah. drills or anything. He's just watching the president talk. And it was, you know, another reminder of of real life. You know, kind of overshadowing a football game. But it, you know, it, that wasn't. The same thing as 9-11. I, I compare it to more when Osama bin Laden was captured. People noted it, and it was a, a good thing, but you watched the news, and you went back to what you were doing. That's kind of how that day went. It was pregame. You kept an eye on it. It was interesting. But then 1 o'clock came, and you played the game. Bills lose that game in Tennessee to the Titans. Uh, the score there, 28-26. Bills officially eliminated from postseason contention, even with some late wins. The thing that I noticed from watching that is Greg Williams on the field after the game. And I know, Thad, you were down there in Nashville. Uh, shaking hands with his old players from when he was with the Titans. I think at that point he knew that, you know, the axe is going to be chopping soon and it's going to be my head on the block. That, like you said, that game knocked him out of the playoffs. You know, that was their last gasp game. I think we, we went into that game thinking that there were 
legit to semi-reasonable playoff chances. You know, the Bills were what, six and seven at that point, something like that? Uh, six and eight. Six and eight, well, after the, they were six and yeah, seven six going and eight, in. Yeah, yeah, six and seven going in. Six and and they, were, they were, they didn't play well, but they were in the game, scored a touchdown with 15 seconds to go to get within two. And, you know, that was the old Bobby Shaw. He's down on the ground, makes the catch, and puts the ball for the two-point conversion. Puts the ball in the air to show yeah. the official, and then it comes out. And I was right behind him. And, you know, I remember he talked about, I, I just wanted to show the official the ball. At the time, I remember thinking it looked incomplete. Yeah. And I know what he, when he said what he said, and you look back at it later. You can see both sides. Exactly. Yeah. So week seven or week 16, excuse me, uh, the Bills host the Miami Dolphins. Bills lose this game 20 to three, and it's pretty clear they've obviously given up on the rest of the season. Bledsoe sacked six times. But Reuben Brown, after the, war, after the game, tells Jamie Nails, his former teammate with the Bills, that he's done. This is it, dog. What's the deal? This it. This it. Ain't no more. What's that? Who shot that and what was the immediate aftermath of that, was that you? when you had that clip? That was pretty sure you because that was as the players walk off yeah. the field, one thing we do all the time is we, we get video of them coming off for various yeah. reasons. Sometimes they get excited about wins and they'll celebrate with you. You want to see the two coaches shaking hands. And I always get a kick out of seeing, you know, what players know each other, who talks yep. to who. You know, what what's the what's the conversation like? It's always Every single time it's the same thing, but I still am interested to see that all the guys say, hey, you know, good to see you, good luck, after they've been killing each other for 60 right. minutes, that they're, you know, bosom buddies and uh, how's, how's the family? Yeah. And it was Reuben Brown and Jamie Nails, and this was your video yeah. of, of Reuben going off the field. Occasionally this happens, not a yeah. lot, but you catch a guy saying something that he doesn't realize there's a microphone right. there and it becomes a news story, yeah. and it did that day. It did, and it was, it was one of those, you just happen to be in the right place at the right time, yeah. and yeah. you get it, and you're like, it, it is kind of one of those, did, did I just hear that right? Yeah. You know? We had to play it three we, or four times. We were times. playing it back yeah. in the, before the press conferences start going, I think I just got ruined. So it's done. Well, we didn't really talk <laughs> about it. Like, we, we had it, and then we went back to the station and really yeah. looked at it. And that's when, you know, there really wasn't viral stuff then, yeah. but it kind of did catch fire. We had stations, other. we had a uh, Buffalo News called us to say, you know, is this what he said? I think we played it out for someone I in Buffalo. I think we did yeah. over the phone. Yeah, we like, played like the video as yeah. loud as we could in the, in the office. <laughs> and what did, did, does this sound like what we think it sounds like? Oh, yeah, it sounds like that. And then every news story was WRLC video had this. That so that was the first experience with you know what we now know as you know a viral video or something that just catches fire you know across different media yeah. outlets. Yeah, I know you and I we've both had video that yeah. have blown up uh, over the last couple of years, and that's kind of the mindset that you have is like, okay, I have I have this thing, and it's sitting on a little SD card, and and I think people really need to see this. So you you know you kind of tell some people, but then you make sure that you have it. You make sure it's what you think it is. Because the last thing you want to do is, you know, send out all these messages like, hey, I've got all this great stuff. Then you play it back and like, oh, you know, it's not that good. You don't want to do the boy called boy who called wolf kind of thing. Especially then, because Ruben yeah. Brown was saying he wants to leave the Bills, yeah. which yeah. was unheard of in general, you know, from, from a guy like Ruben Brown, who was a mainstay in that team. So, yeah, so Ruben Brown tells this to Jamie Nails. That blows up the following week, the final game of the regular season, this time in Foxborough. Before the game, it was announced that this would be Van Miller's final game. Uh, your interactions with Van, obviously a legend with the Bills, had been with them since their, their entire history. Um, and I know I've seen pictures of it, of members of the media going out to dinner with Van the night before his final game. Just your, your thoughts and experiences with Van Miller. I mean, you know, they called him Uncle Van. And that's what he was. Yep, he, was yep. every, he was everybody's uncle. He was just a, a wisecracking, just lovable guy. He was what you, what you heard in the booth and, and everything, and that was him. He was just 
the genuine article. And going to that dinner was one of the, the great honors of my career yeah. covering the Bills. You know, it was basically everyone who went on the road, and it, you know, every most stations sent someone there. Dave and I were both at that game, and to be able to you know share what was the last you know weekend evening of such a fantastic career as a broadcaster, and, and Van was like Dave said, even in that that night. He was Uncle Van, you know, yeah. throwing out jokes. You know, there weren't, the table. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> there weren't tears. It was just laughter and yeah, fun. Yeah. And, 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 you know, to, to say that I was at that dinner and at that moment, again, it's something I'll always remember and treasure. Okay, 31 nothing. This is Van Miller with uh, John Murphy. I'm taking off. My, I'm unfastening my seatbelt and turning it over to Murph. Have a happy new year, everyone. This is the Buffalo Bills Football Network. You know, working in the media, you spend a lot of time with these people, sometimes more than you spend with your actual yes. family. So you get to know them pretty well, and you get to crack jokes that may be a bit blue. But any specific stories that you can share about Van Miller and your time and your interactions with him Nothing over the years. Share. Yeah, no, that's the thing. Is you feel like, oh man, we have some great it, stuff. But it's still, this is a PG podcast. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Getting back to to how the Bills did in that Week 17 game. Um, in a word, not well. No. <laughs> Uh, it, it did not go well for the Bills. Tom Brady throws four touchdowns in the first half. They get their revenge for that 31-0 loss with a 31-0 win in Week 17. And just being there as like, yeah, that's the perfect yeah, bookend of this really season. Was. Yeah, the thing I remember from that game is that it was a Saturday game. So there was no other games going on. So as you're watching the Bills get demolished and the game was 24-0 at halftime. 24-0 <laughs> right? at halftime. Yeah, so the only thing of interest the entire second half was thinking, are they going to do 31 nothing like the other 31? Because there's no other, no other scores to keep track of. Yeah. If you, you know, fantasy, there's no other players to no watch. No playoff just, implications. Yeah, the, the game, yeah. right, exactly. Everything was, you're just sitting there like, yeah. can the season end anytime soon? And, yeah. you know, you're, you're thinking about, all right, we're, we're going to go into an offseason where the coach is going to be fired. We both got we, a, both. Yeah, we got shots of Romeo Cornell <laughs> and Chad. Every, every corner coordinator yep, coming yep, down the tunnel. Yep. We have more video of those guys. Some guys. I have no idea who some of these guys we are. But they, Patriots coordinators. We had Bills coaches. <laughs> yep. We didn't know who was going to get yeah. fired, who was going to stay. So who you want to make sure Buffalo? you, you yeah, have video you of, of everybody. Yeah, that's, yep. that was the goal for that day was to have – video ready for the upcoming coaching nope. change. So ESPN's Len Pasquarello was the first report after the Tennessee loss that Greg Williams would be fired after the season or not had his contract renewed. Um, at this point, obviously, you, as you know, that axe is coming. It's just a matter of time. What was kind of the mindset as, you know, someone's coming back from New England while another guy's going to Buffalo? Well, how did you attack knowing that a firing was imminent with Greg Williams? I think we did, we, let's see. With a Saturday game, I don't think the Bills cleaned out their locker till Monday. They, they, cleaned it out, they cleaned it out the next day. They cleaned yeah, it out so Sunday. Sunday? Okay. Yeah. Um, we must have tailed it back as fast as possible so someone <laughs> would be up there yeah. in Buffalo on Sunday. I think it was you. I don't remember ever doing a locker cleanout. Yeah, ever? I don't think I yeah, did. Yeah, I did, I did a lot of them. Yeah, a lot of video of guys yeah, putting fun. helmets in the, yeah. in the bags and stuff. And it was always right after the season. But you, it was just a matter of waiting for the expected to happen. There was no... There was no... Uh, drama. You know, it was going to happen. It's just a matter of when and how. Was there any drama with Reuben Brown? Because he did not play in that Patriots game. The Bills sent him home. He was not suspended, but there were rumors he was suspended. Uh, was there any uh, – Reuben, his locker is not even cleaned out on locker cleanout day. It's still as it is. Uh, the thought that, you know, okay, this is probably the last time we've seen Reuben Brown in a Bills jersey. I don't know if we ever thought that because it was Reuben Brown. He wasn't yeah. going to leave. He was a Bill. You know, and their offensive line wasn't great to begin with. So that was not a position where, oh, well, we have all these. And Williams is getting fired, so who cares? <laughs> that, that's the other part of it, too. You know, Reuben Brown was a big story, but he was story B by far until whatever happened with Greg Williams happened. 
Monday, December 23rd, the Bills announced they will not retain Greg Williams. Obviously not a surprise to anybody that's followed this team, but uh, just the immediate reaction to, all right, we have, we've cut our losses. Greg Williams is out after three years where he went and combined 17 and 31. The weirdest part of that is that Greg Williams held a press conference, which you yes, never see yeah. from a fired coach. In a I mean, really like, ugly sweater. Oh, terrible sweater. <laughs> oh, and, you know, and, and Wade, the, the, the firing before, he had a press conference. Now, this was after like, all the stuff that happened like, a week later, but he also had a press conference in an awful sweater. So it was almost like the Bills, that was their cloak of, of sadness. When you put the sweater on, that means you're going. I can see, you know, why the rich tradition of the Buffalo Bills is what it is. You know, the Buffalo Bills fans are uh, tremendous fans. They're well-known throughout the country. And I've, I've said this before, even on, on my summer trip that I took uh, this past summer when I went to Alaska, I get off the plane and people are pounding me. Buffalo Bills fans, you know, in Anchorage, Alaska, which is amazing. But like Rex Ryan this year, he gets fired and there's video of him that WRC had of his truck being driven out of one Bill's drive, and that's the last we saw of him. No press conference, yeah. no public comments. Yeah. He'll be on, he was on TV a week later. Or he was on the sideline uh, at some yeah, bowl games. But no stuff, one talked yeah. to him. Greg Williams marches out in front of all the cameras. Yeah, one Bill's drive. To hold up. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they even hosted it at the team facility, and yeah. he was fired. So that was the most surreal part of, of that. Really? That was? Because what about Mr. Donahoe? <laughs> also, would like to apologize to Greg. I think some of the personal criticisms that were leveled at him were unfair. And I think there's many people in Western New York should be ashamed of themselves for some of the things they said about the coach. You don't have to like a coach's ability to coach, but some of the personal attacks that I've heard over the last three years embarrasses me to be part of this community. It's unbelievable. Tom Donahoe ripping the fans of the Buffalo Bills and those in Western New York for being rough on Greg Williams. <laughs> Just imagine, you know, we've talked about surreal press conferences before. I think this one throughout the length of the Bills playoff drought has to be up at the very top. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was talk before Greg got fired that the negative attention and the criticism he and by extension his family had received in town was a part of the reason why things weren't going well. And whether or not that was true, who knows? It's, you know, the football team, people get excited and overexcited about it. It happens. But when Tom Donahoe basically called out the city of Buffalo for the way they had treated Greg, everyone in the media room, I mean, we immediately knew, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, this is not how you would approach yeah. this as someone who still wants to be here yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. And then, of course, you want to tell the story? No, now? I mean, okay. you guys lived it. Just walk so, me through that afternoon. So. He says that everyone thinks it's terrible. We all file reports. We're driving back to, to Rochester. At some point on the drive, we, I think we just heard it on the radio, Tom Donahoe's going to hold another press conference. So immediately, turn it around, <laughs> get back to Orchard Park. Get to Batavia so you can right. hit the exit and loop back. Yeah. I think we found a U-turn on the through. Yeah, exactly. oh, yeah. What's yeah. the statute of limitations? <laughs> Toll rules were not followed that day. You know, after I had a chance to look at the uh, transcript of the press conference and uh, look at the tape, uh, obviously, some things that I said were misinterpreted. Uh, in no way was I trying to be critical of the fans and the support that we have received uh, here in Western New York. I have great respect for the fans. I really was trying to be critical of some media types and some talk show uh, hosts who I felt at times have crossed the line in their criticism of, of Greg Williams. And uh, they've made it personal. That's what I didn't like, and that's what I'm embarrassed about, and uh, I really don't think there's any place for that. Uh, we all should be criticized, 
when we don't do our jobs, whether it's coaches, whether it's personnel, whether it's uh, GM, president of the organization, whatever it is. But I just don't think there's any place for getting personal. And I apologize that uh, the remarks were misinterpreted, and I apologize to our fans if I've offended any of them. Tom Donahoe's initial press conference was up at the podium, prim and proper, everyone had a place, he had his po everything was done. When he comes back out, it was just kind of him standing there. Ty was halfway undone, like we had, you know, we yeah. had pulled him out of like a lounge <laughs> session. Some busy meeting right. or something. And, and he, he looked cowed, for the first time in his career, he looked cowed, he looked humble, he looked sorry, which he, he needed to be because what yeah. he said was terrible. And he, he basically said, I didn't mean to say it that way. I mean, he struck all the correct notes, but by then the damage had yeah. been far yeah. done. Uh, were you there at all for that? Or were you back no, that, here? That was, I mean, me and, that was a me and John joint right there. So, so. so if you're sitting back here at the station just hitting refresh on the computer, like, what is happening to the Buffalo Bills? What is happening with Tom Donahoe? plowed over oh, one man. Bills drive yeah. was about it. Oh, man, I can only imagine what that must have been like. But that puts an end on 2003. Just final thoughts from a season that started off so well and ended so poorly going 6-10. and 10. Travis Henry has a strong year, but Bledsoe, it seems like the, the decline is starting pretty rapidly with him. Just uh, a, a final word on the 03 season with the Bills. It wasn't the quarterback. It was, you know, Tom Donahoe in that press conference soured everybody going forward. You know, I don't almost think it didn't matter who he was going to pick as his coach. Unless he hired Vince Lombardi, Tom Donahoe's stink as the GM yeah. of the Bills was unremovable after that press conference. And, you know, yeah, we talked about who the coach would be and who the players would be, et cetera, et cetera. Donahoe, first of all, he was not well-liked in the organization. He was a micromanager. So, you know, you're not going to get anybody behind the scenes that are going to say nice things about him. And then for him to come out and basically smack Buffalo, nobody was a Donahoe fan at that point. And where they were going to go with this as your figurehead and leader was a big mystery. Yeah, I just, I'm going on the field stuff. I think you look at that defense and they, the, some of the, the talent that they had on the defensive oh, side of that yeah. ball was phenomenal. Second-ranked defense in 2003. You had Sam Adams and Pat Williams up front. Yeah. I mean, good luck moving those oh, guys. There might right? not have been a better combo in a long time. Fletcher yeah. and Spikes at linebacker. I mean, that was... Winfield had, was in a safety. Yeah. Lawyer Malloy. I mean, they Nate were... Clements they had, was, was, was coming up big yeah. at times. I mean, it was, it was a good... The defensive unit that year was one of the most entertaining, I think, that I, that I saw. 30th-ranked offense, second-ranked defense. The Bills 6-10 and 10 in 2003. They now have to hire another head coach, their second head coach of the Bills playoff drought. And to that, we turn to the next episode of Down and Drought.